Hey, it's Paul. And Shamina. And welcome to Head Boss in Charge. Hey. Hey, I was going to make some random noise, but then <laughs> it was blank. I opened my mouth and nothing came out. My bad. So, how you bossing? Um, I am... I'm good. In the grand scheme of life, I'm good. I am uh, just rolling back from a business trip uh, on the East Coast. So you wouldn't think the time change would like smack you so hard, like for just a few days. And really, it's three hours. But that three hours like has whooped my ass. Like I, I don't sleep well already when I'm not home. And so it was like poor sleeping. And then I still have to keep up with my workouts. And then I'm supposed to be there to learn stuff. And and I still need to try to like reasonably eat and I want to see where I'm at. So like what touristy things can I see when I'm there? But um, I'm at a tinge of a little bit of fuck work right now. So that's anybody who know actually knows me in real life in IRL. Um, that is not a surprise. So I'm feeling a little burnt and singed from work, but you know, such is life. Yeah. I'll move through it. Uh, I won't be taken down um, by any uh, anyone else. If I go down, it'll be because I choose to. Um, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, I'm doing pretty good. I'm just legit tired and trying to f- bounce back from you know a three hour time difference. When which again, it's it's not a lot, but when you do the time change and you're trying to learn stuff and you're trying to keep some semblance of like a regular routine, it is tiring. So for sure. Yeah. Such is life. How you bossing? Well, as you know, I just got back from a two-week, much-needed vacation in Europe. Um, I traveled to four countries. I was in Iceland, um, Berlin, Germany, Amsterdam, Netherlands, and Paris, France. And I was gone for two weeks, traveled by myself, um, which I love doing. Um, and You know, not everyone is able to do that, but I love traveling by myself because I get to be on my own time, my own schedule, my own budget. Mm -hmm. I don't have to Mm -hmm. worry about anybody Mm -hmm. else. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was it was just a great time. It was very, you know, every time I travel, it's always eye opening because I gain different world perspectives. Um, And, you know, it was really interesting being in Europe post 45 they let um you know elected 45 um you know i you know when i travel by myself i just talk to strangers i'm sorry hold on you said they elected 45 (laughs) wait no no i said um post 45 post elected 45 that's what i said all i heard was elected 45 and i was like so you're in russia so that didn't (laughs) sound (laughs) i was confused and a little concerned with you what right. I'm trying to say, yeah. though, is, you know, just the random conversations. I had great conversations with folks. Um, I couch surfed my entire way through um, Europe. So I had a host in each of the countries who was really able to just introduce me to the city and the culture and all of that. And um, I had some political co- driven conversations. And it's just really interesting to see how um you know, non-Americans, Europeans, everywhere else in the world is viewing America right now in a a um, 45-run society, (laughs) you know? So, um, you know, I won't go into depth with it, but 
I, I learned some new things. Some things were surprising. I think people in a way felt bad for me. And um, oh. I even met some aggressive people or had um, aggressive conversations with folks who would say, oh, I never want to move to America. I, you know, you don't, you guys don't take care of your people. There's all this homelessness. Everyone has loans up the wazoo and all this stuff. Um, so I said, okay, well, um, I don't completely uh, disagree with you, but um, it was just really interesting to really soak in all of that um, world's perspective. Yeah, I don't know that I would want to be talking about that like while on my vacation and trying to relax. Not that one can divorce oneself of, you know, the reality that is the state of the United States, but yeah, I'm trying to think of how I might navigate that type of conversation if it came up while I'm on vacation and trying to like remove myself from things that are stressful. As I, that's how I tend to see like time away in vacation. I'm like, how would I navigate that? Not that, I, you know, again, you can't ignore it because it is, it's there and it's what it is, but. Right. Well, actually, you know, when I was in Berlin, President Obama was actually um, at Berlin the same time I was. And I walked into this restaurant and I saw um, he was like on the front page of one of the local newspapers in Berlin. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I couldn't find him, though. I was on, I was on the hunt. <laughs> um, but, you know, just some of the politics was not really, you know, it was hard to avoid because also while I was there, the London attacks happened, which was a little mm. too close to home. Yeah. And um, also while I was there, that um, bombing in uh, Kabul, Afghanistan happened. Yeah, there was uh, a lot going on. There was a lot that went on. And all I could say was, you know, I just hope I'm safe. I'm just going to be vigilant and enjoy my vacation. But it was really hard not to um, get away from the political news because it's everywhere, you know, and I was even closer to some of those tragedies than I usually am. Mm. Yeah. So. Um, there were a number of things that were going on around the country. I have a friend who is in, I can't remember what country he's in, but he was like, there was a, um, I don't want to say it, it was a, a gunman, if you will, that was going around kind of like some really central place. And he kind of got swept up in excuse me, the, like the anxiety of the times and he got separated from his partner. And it was just, he was telling the story just on Facebook. And I was like, oh my gosh, to be in another country with your partner who, I think is his partner's home country. And to just be caught up that and no, not know, like to get separated and like, what do you do? Because you can't, you don't want to go out and go looking for anybody because there's a gunman outside or a gun person, I should say they are typically men that are involved in this. So we'll go ahead and with gunmen. Like, what yeah. do you do? Who do you communicate with? How do you know when you're safe? If, especially if you don't speak, speak the language that's there. And right. you're just kind of like, oh shit, what to do? But yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're, most of us are ever prepared for that kind of stuff when we travel, because when we travel, we're supposed to be, you know, just relaxing and, you know, but when we travel, anything could happen. So yeah, and I think that's one of the what I think about. And I don't, I like alone time, but I don't know that I would enjoy traveling alone for that far and long. But I certainly like my alone time when I can, you know, squeeze it out and get it or make space for it. But I think about I'm alone, like what the hell? 
But again, my mind can be a little bit morbid. So I think alone, like, okay, well, this is how I'm going to die. This is going to be it. I'm going to be here in this, you know, hiding under this table while all this shit is going on around me. Again, my mind goes, can sometimes jump to the worst. Of course. Yeah. Um, but overall, um, I feel refreshed. I'm back. Um, I'm ready to go. And unfortunately, I came into a storm of emails and a lot of projects that I have to start at work. But um, at least I feel a little bit rejuvenated. I know myself a little bit better. And um, yeah, that's all I can ask for. It was a good trip. So I am going to kind of start some of my thoughts um, around water cooler talk. Um, And it's really a series of, it's one question, but it has like multiple parts. So um, for listeners, like it may get a little bit deep and I'm hoping that we can kind of explore some of this stuff is that we, I know I've been kind of thinking about this for the last few weeks, if not the last few months um, in terms of life transitions and what do I want to do? What do I want to be? Where do I want to go? So the primary question that's been looming in my mind, it's what's what's holding me back or what's holding you back? Um, and this is in a number of ways. Um, I think of career-wise, what's holding me back. Uh, personally, what's holding me back in friendships, relationships, um, family dynamics. What's holding me back in terms of my physical wellness? What's holding me back in terms of my mental wellness and like, what are some of the barriers that I have, to be honest, have chosen not to uh, kind of start to combat and hit up against and kind of hit and knock over? So um, I was just brainstorming a little bit on this business trip that I was on. There's a, I was going cross country to the East Coast. So it was just like a five and a half hour flight. So I had lots of time to think because I wasn't paying like the $28 for the Wi-Fi. So... I was thinking of some of the things that, um, and the easiest one for me to think about was like work because I was on a a business trip. So um, I was thinking about what holds me back in in work. And um, I just wrote a few notes, which I rarely do, but fear um, is something that holds, I feel like it holds me back. And we won't get to all of them today because there's kind of a lot. So Um, the unknown, um, a need to plan. Uh, expectations, either expectations that I place on myself or expectations that are externally placed on me and how I negotiate, navigate those. And if they are actual expectations, um, sometimes a lack of confidence, Um, the critics and the people in the cheap seats up at the top, Um, the idea of missing a deadline uh, or a timeline that is in all for all uh, intents and purposes, it's an arbitrary timeline because there's no timeline to life. Although I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but there are no timelines. But the idea of missing a timeline of where I think I should be versus like in comparison, which you know, comparison is like the curse of joy uh, of where I see my friends, my you know former classmates, uh, my family members. So those are just some of the the places where I think about like. These are some of the barriers to holding me being held back, specifically in terms of work. And these all pretty, like, for the most part, seamlessly go across work, uh, personal, like, relationships, like, my fitness, my 
mental wellness and all those things. So that's like a heavy ass topic. And I get that. Um, any of those you want to start diving into? Yeah, sure. Actually, you know, when you first brought up the topic of what's holding us back, fear is the the word that came to mind first. And, you know, I want to ask the question, fear of what? Um, fear is kind of linked to some of the other terms that you mentioned too, um, the other factors, but mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to start with fear um, in terms of career and maybe a little bit of personal life as well. Yeah. But um, I guess I'll start with myself. So, um, I mean, fear takes um, a lot of different forms for me. Um, I think the main one is f- uh, fear of failing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or in a weird way, sometimes fear of succeeding because, um, you know, when you surpass your expectations, you have to find a new avenue to surpass new expectations and sometimes growing. And even if that means moving up a professional ladder, that that can be scary, um, you know, or fear of failing, which I think is really common as well. Well, you know, it's interesting because I have both fear and failure. Um, uh, it's a little bit lo- lower down on the list in terms of failure. Um, but that's certainly like, it's it's interesting to think about fear um, because really I think about like, what's the worst thing that can happen as a person who can sometimes think in worse? And I'm thinking like, okay, I'm afraid. What's the worst thing that can happen if I like ask for a raise, right? I could be told no. Like that's the, they're not going to take more money away. They're not going to like strip me of responsibilities. It's going to be a no. What is the worst thing that can happen? And what's the fear that's associated with like putting myself out there for another like job opportunity? I could not get the interview or I can get the interview and move in the process and then just not get the job. Like one of like, like tens of thousands of jobs. You know what I mean? So like, as I look at fear, sometimes I have to put it in my mind. I have to like, number one, name the fear out loud. Like, what am I afraid of? And then think about like, okay, what are all the things that can happen? Like if I uh, take the step forward, I don't even want to say like take the leap because sometimes it's just like a tiny step, but like taking this, the first step is sometimes the hardest. Um, right. Yeah. Um. I think too, when you, we think of fear of either failure or succeeding, a lot of the times it's not tangible. And I think mm-hmm. oftentimes I catch myself making up shit in my head, like, oh, this <laughs> could happen, that could happen, and this could happen. And, you know, at the end of the day, when you finally make that leap, if you make that leap, you realize that the outcome was so simple and that mm-hmm. all those obstacles that you were putting in place um, was just inhibiting. Mm-hmm. inhibiting myself, you know? Mm-hmm. It's funny. I was talking to on this business trip that I was on, I was talking to a newer professional and um, sometimes it's so easy to like have this conversation with someone who um, has a different level of life and professional experience in terms of what's holding them back. Um, and this person just happens to be like in the, the traditional category of uh, a millennial. Um, but we were talking and I was saying, this person was saying, oh, I really want to be here. And I was like, well, to be real honest and like, no shade, but you don't know shit yet. Like, you just don't know enough about like this particular field. 
Um, you may know that you don't like this job, like in a box, or you don't like the supervisor in this other box, but that you've been doing it for a year and some, so that you may not have a sense of like, if you like this particular work or if it's the environment that you don't particularly care for. Um, but we then started to talk about like, sometimes as I think about holding back, holding myself back, um, I have to remember that, and I really do believe this, that the universe rises to meet you where you are. So sometimes I can, I can certainly rationalize the shit out of something uh, of thinking, well, I'm not ready for this because um, the universe hasn't presented it to me in a way that's cute or packaged or like that doesn't cause a fear or anxiety in me. And sometimes the universe is saying like, I'm putting this in you so that you can overcome this so that when you go to open the door to what you feel is an anxious point, the door will open as opposed to you having to kick the door down and you get in there and fuck it up in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah, I told you. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. No, that's it. Go ahead. No, I completely agree. I think um, it takes a certain level of maturity and knowing yourself to listen to those signals that are coming at you and understand. Um, I mean, it requires a little bit of patience, you know, going into these um, leaps of faith, if you will. But I think that's really interesting about um, telling yourself, I'm not ready yet. And that's okay, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's not mm-hmm. causing any fear and anxiety around, um, around that. Well, I think sometimes we have to we have to be willing to tell ourselves like I'm trying to push to make something happen. And again, if I if I if that thing actually happens, like you have the chance of fucking it up if you're pushing so hard and you're it I think the things that are supposed to come to you, not that they'll come easy, but they will come in a way that make more sense than you trying to fight your way into it. You know what I mean? If I'm if I'm dead set on being in this particular career field and I haven't prepared myself I haven't done the, I feel like Yana Van Zandt, you got to do your work. Um, (laughs) If I haven't done like the work to prepare myself to even step into that arena, um, then I'm going to fuck it up. And I I would prefer not to do that. So there's, there's certainly in my mind, a strategy, if you will, of like, okay, maybe I don't announce my plans out loud of what I'm trying to do and where I'm trying to go or what moves I'm trying to make. But that doesn't mean I'm not making you know, mental moves. Um, I'm not connecting with certain people just because I don't do it publicly. Uh, but yeah, that, that that was another thing that we talked about. Like, you don't have to announce everything that you're doing and every move that you're making. Uh, but people will see there's a perception that, you know, you're not living up to your potential. But, but at the end of the day, you have to be in a space where you feel good about where you're going. So I think there's a lot of, for me, I think about the expectations for myself. Then I also think about external expectations of where people see that they may think I'm holding myself back. I've talked about this with a friend that was at the conference um, about like when a supervisor gives you like quote unquote stretch goals or they identify stretch goals for you. Yes. Yeah. And how sometimes they're usually, they're not, they're not fucking stretch goals. They are hard things that maybe you don't know how to do yet that your supervisor this is not everybody, but your supervisor is like, I want to get this done. So I'm going to present this to you as a stretch goal. So you can help me look good. And it may not be something that you want to do at all. Right. Like, right. I'm going to present this as a stretch goal. And they try to like package it up and doctor it up. I'm like, 
no, this is what you, a project that you want to done, have done that maybe you don't have capacity for and you think I might be good at it, but I may have zero interest in what this fake ass quote unquote stretch goal. Um, so we were just talking about like the layers of things that people externally put on you in terms of expectations. And then how do we also combat that and do your job without being, you know, uh, indignant, if you will, as my mom would say. Uh, but even the expectations that people put on us, like, are those things holding us back because we we put our own desires and our wants and needs of moving forward on the back burner so that we meet other people's expectations? Yeah, that's a really good point. I think, I think for us, that's, you know, working in education, it's a service industry. And I think it's easy to get trapped in that mentality because we're always watching out for other people and we're always um, looking to um, meet the expectations of others. Um, it's really common for us to put others before ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, when in other industries, you know, it it's all about you, you, you. And um, you probably could advance a little bit further that with that mentality. Yeah, I think probably a lot further. Because um, even like working in education, there's this mindset that I have seen of like, we're supposed to be able to do more with less. We're supposed to like sacrifice like all parts of us to be able to give to the next generation into the future without thinking about like, what is the impact on self? Self as an individual person, but self as an employee, you know what I mean? Self as a learner, self as someone who also wants to contribute to the world in a meaningful way. Um, but yeah, that's that's a part of working in this field that is frustrating to me. People get really fucking judgy. If you're like, I'm going to go for mine or I'm going to do mine. It's like, you don't believe in students? like, And I'm like, no, sometimes the fucking developmental door is shut. Like sometimes it's slammed shut for people because they're not going to get the message. Right. Professional and or for students. I, I think, you know, this topic really um, means that we have to be selfish a little bit and that's okay. You know, mm -hmm. we have to, um, in order to get over that fear, right? Uh, maybe it's fear of selfish, selfishness. Um, that could be um, a common fear as well. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. There. Another thing that I think in terms of holding back, so I am, it shouldn't be a secret for anyone who can see me on LinkedIn. I don't think my shit is too private. Um, like I am at some point looking to transition out of education and into human resources, right? Um, so if there are any listeners out there who have a hookup, don't, you could email us and whatnot or tweet me. Um, of Like there's a tangible fear around like making ends meet. This totally matches up with my astrological sign. I'm a Virgo and we like stability, like consistency and things like that, which a lot of people do, but I think we take it to like the next level. Um, but there's some real tangible fears and that whole, I know personally hold me back. So I think of like rent, like going to want to pay that. Like I'm going to want to eat. Um, like real, like I have a family. I have bills, you know, I've got a credit card that needs to be paid. But in my mind, I conjure up all of these things and I may, I, I, I place them on myself of like, okay, well, I've got all these things. And unless the next opportunity looks like this, 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 and this, 
then it can't happen because I can't take care of rent. I can't, you know, work to feed myself and my family. I, I can't do all of these things. And I, I work myself into this tizzy of can't. Um, when really, I have literally in my adulthood, never, capital never, been in a position where I haven't been able to make those things happen. But in my mind, there's they become so at the forefront. Um, and part of that is a byproduct of living in a really expensive city in the Bay Area. Um, so I think about like, okay, like if I lost my if I lost my job right now, how would we make that work? Certainly we've got savings, so we'd be fine. But even that, I'm like, but that savings is designated for this other thing. So I I, I can work myself into this like these are the tangible things. Like somebody's gonna come in and like take my TV, take my couch, unhook this computer that I'm on right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And literally none of those things have ever happened. Hmm. Um, it's, it's weird and it's a, it's like it can feel like a, a like I'm in a spin cycle in a washing machine that's never going to stop that's literally how it feels sometimes right and you know this about yourself so I'm curious to know um, do you think you're close in catching yourself in the moment when, when you're doubting yourself about um, these you know financially connected um, factors when taking the next step forward um, I certainly have gotten a lot better with interrupting like my own mental dialogue, if, if that's what you mean. Like, I have gotten a lot better at recognizing, okay, Shamina, you're going into a tailspin. Like, when have you ever been in this position? And, and when has the, the universe ever not risen to meet you where you are? Even when you didn't know that that's where you were going to be, there's always an opportunity. Like, I have put stuff out in the universe that has happened. Maybe not in the same way that I wanted it to happen or it didn't look exactly how I had envisioned it, but it's always been like the universe has said, bitch, I got you. Like, chill out. It may not, um, there's, a, there's a gospel song that says it may not come when you want it, but it's always on time. And it, consistently it has happened. But that doesn't negate my kind of tizzy around it by any means, unfortunately. Hmm. Have you ever had that kind of feeling where you maybe you're getting ready or wanting to transition out of, let's just stick on the career stuff for a moment of a position and thought through those other kind of real tangible, like things that you can grab onto fears? Yeah. I mean, I think about that all the time because I'm a very practical person. Um, mm -hmm. And so a lot of the times I do push my emotions aside and just think about, okay, I'm setting a plan in place. Um, if I make this step, what is this going to do for, you know, um, the factors that you mentioned? So rent and um, bills and loans and all these things. Um, I'm at that point in my life where I have to think about those things before I move forward. Um, but I think there is a point where if if we worry about those things all the time, sometimes we have to take positive risks and maybe mm -hmm. you can build in mm -hmm. a safety net um, for yourself in case um, plan A doesn't go well. So you have a plan B and C, but sometimes, you know, you have to take those uh, positive risks and you may, you, hey, we may um, uh, feel the repercussions of that, but in the long run, are you happy when you make that decision? Is Are you going to recover you know, down the road uh, for that decision. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I that makes complete sense. I as a person who was a planner, who's I was like, here's my plan A, B, C, D, and then there's plan H down the road. If you know, worst case scenario, I need to enact that one. Let's hope I never have to get there. Um, do you ever find yourself with um, lacking confidence in terms of like that's maybe part of the thing that holds you back? Hmm. Confidence has actually never been really an issue for me in the work setting. Um, I I can think of a very um, tangential um, or a related factor to confidence. Bring it. Up. Bring it. Um, because it's it's not really about confidence for me, but it's more so. Um, you know, I kind of mentioned this in our last episode, but. I, you know, I know I do good work, but I think I'm a little bit more worried about the perception <laughs> um, of okay. of that work. So, like, I know I do good work, but um, sometimes, you know, that black emotion, uh, black emotional tax sets in and mm-hmm. um, I can get obsessed with small details um, that may not really help me out in the long run. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. Yes, I, that, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm over here nodding my head like, yes, that absolutely does. The black tax can fuck you up for real, though. It like, really it will can. Have these second, second guessing things that you're like, I know this is right. Like, why am I spending this extra time trying to, like, convince myself that this is the right move, the right decision, the right format, the right words to use? But, you know, it's there. Like, you're like, this is exactly what I'm supposed to say. But there's that little piece of you that's like, is it what I'm supposed to say? Right. So it's more of doubt than really confidence. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes I just need to go with my gut instinct um, Mm -hmm. and not, you know, know, hyper analyze every single um, plan that I put into place. Um, Mm -hmm. Because sometimes nobody got time for that. Sometimes you're just going to move on and click the sun button, if you will. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, confidence has never really been an issue, but um, it's manifested its way in other, you know, other places. Okay. Um, and I would say I don't tend to have a lack of confidence either, but I, I have that questioning part of, like, how is this going to be received or perceived by others? Um, and, of course, in my mind, I sometimes doctor it up. I chalk it up to, like, well, let me just have a finer attention to detail because I know that, you know, there tends to be people who are unfortunately looking for you to like make a mistake, misstep, spell a word wrong. Well, I don't want to say spell a word wrong because there's spell check for that. But you know what I mean? To to misstep and then to be able to like, we'll see they did X, Y, and Z, like quote unquote wrong. And I'm like, really like, we don't share the same interpretation of something. So of course it's going to look different. That doesn't mean mine is right and yours is wrong or the other way around. Um, but yeah, I find myself sometimes find to think something to an unnecessary degree because I'm waiting for the critics to come out the cheap seats and say some bullshit, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Well, since you mentioned it, the criticism, um, let's go into, what was that ex- uh, expression you labeled criticism from the cheap seats? I never heard that before. Yeah, well, because you think about it, like, it's usually, the, well, my experience is it's people that don't have a sense of what you're doing and are disconnected from your work. 
that want to be the, the highest critics of what you do. So they're in the cheap oh, seats yes, talking yes. shit. So think about people in the concert, like they're all the way up at the top talking shit about the artist. Mind you, if they were down on the field level, they would be all up in it like you are when you're on the field level. But at the top, they're like, well, she should have had this or they should have had this. Well, this is fine, I guess, you know. So that's all I mean by the cheap seats. But yeah, that's my that has been my experience. People who are disconnected from what I do on a day to day or even a week to week are the ones who want to come in and essentially talk shit and criticize and try to poke, you know, holes and shit that is unnecessary. Right. You know, I think I experienced a lot of this in my personal life, but um, fortunately, not so much in the work setting. I think people, I mean, if people are commenting, they're keeping it to themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. in the workplace and they're not making it known. But I think, at least in my past work experience, people have stayed in their own lane. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely in my personal life, people, you know, judge and they always have something to say. But, you know, I don't mind it. I, you know, it's none of their business. How do you navigate that? We can easily flip over to the the personal life. How do you navigate the critics in that? Um, when you say navigate, you mean how do how do I deal with it? Or yeah, how do you deal with it? How do you respond? Do you respond? Um, I think before I was always quick to respond to every single criticism, but now I I just gotta stick to my own lane, my own path. Um, I only really um, take feedback or criticism or listen to um, the folks that are in my direct um, social network. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, I I would say that was more of an issue in the past when I was really, you know, sore about um, getting comments from anyone um, and everyone. Okay. Yeah, so... um, I kind of just ignore it. That's how, that's how I, I deal with it because it's just not pertinent to my, um, you don't know me, you know, you don't know yeah. me. So you don't have the right to judge. Do people like, like actually say like critical things to you or do you hear about it around the way? Or do you just pick up on kind of the nuances of what they say? Um, well, some of that actually happens on social media in very passive ways. If we're, okay. you know, <laughs> the, the personal life. Um, no sub Facebook messaging you. Right. I know what you mean. But now, I mean, let's just say if uh, if people are talking from the cheap seats, I don't even know who they are. You know, I'm at this point where um, I think it it would come to me in a very strange way. But um, I trust the people that I surround myself. And if they have something to tell me, they'll tell me, you know. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how about you? Um, you know, I don't really, uh, like you, I don't know who's in the cheap seats because I can't see that far away. Um, so I'd be squinting to see who they are. But people, for the most part, don't, I don't post a ton on social media. Um, that doesn't mean I don't have a, a shit ton to say. I just don't post a ton because I'm like, uh, I'd have to go through too much to explain it. Or sometimes my humor is a little dark or like, it won't translate well. Like if I write it down, it needs to be more of an in the moment. Um, but I, people don't really come at me or to me with like critical things. I don't know what, why not, not, I'm not saying that like, please all of a sudden come into my world and like 
critique me and like who I am and all those things. But I just, my friend group is so small and they're for the most not part, not connected to each other. Um, and the folks that I am friends with know that I am the most critical of myself first and foremost. So I've already, if there's a point for me to be critical um, or for me to be criticized, I've already given it to myself. And I try to talk that through with like people who matter to me, like people who's on, who are on my like short list. And I think I talked about this before. I have a short list um, I posted in my wallet that is, um, and it recently changed probably about two months ago of, I think there's like six or seven names on there. And those are the lists of people's people whose opinions matter of me. Um, and so those are the people that I go to, but they also, they like, I think there's a, they treat me well. Um, so I don't, they, they haven't come to me like with any sort of inappropriate or mean or spiteful uh, critique. Yeah, I think I think we're pretty much the same on this one, or, or similar at least when it comes to criticism. Well, also, I'm an angry black woman, so people don't tend to come to come at oh. me with that shit because you know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes wonder if like people treat me gently, or they they think I need to be treated gently because they don't want to be at the on the receiving end of like whatever an angry black woman is supposed to be. So, yeah. Somebody low-key tried to, like, you know, say there's a list of, like, qualities of, like, an angry Black woman, and somebody tried to, like, be cute and, like, essentially list those out and without saying that I was an angry Black woman. And I was like, bitch, I know exactly what you're saying. So please right. don't try to code switch, because um, if you do, do it better. Uh, but yeah, it was funny. So I wonder if that's why people don't, because, you know, they said it was intimidating and... uh aggressive and somebody said I was in vindictive and I was like vindictive or madam right I was like I don't know you to have all of these feelings towards you so if you could just stop so all I did in that conversation was just smiled at the person I just smiled and you know because what are you gonna do I mean smiling doesn't win you gold medals so <laughs> okay Simone all right right um, I just smiled and moved on yeah you know I, um, if you don't mind me going to the next, um, mm -hmm. kind of changing topics a little bit, but I was thinking about, you know, being a gay black male, um, how taking the next step is inherently, um, or yeah, taking the next step sometimes is linked to some, um, inherent doubts that I have being a black person. Um, you know, when you I think about- yeah, you know, I'm kind of making this up or thinking out, out loud as I go along, but um, uh, kind of also similar to the uh, last episode, I think based off of how you're raised and maybe if you don't have the right mentors, I can really easily see some folks in disenfranchised communities not taking the next step because they don't know that they can. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think society, of course, creates barriers and obstacles for minorities um, so that they don't succeed. And so mm -hmm. I think there's another side to this conversation of, um, you know, how do you break out of um, that constrained boundary that you're in because you're black, because um, society says that, 
you know, you can't do A, B, and C. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm fortunate, you know, I, I think I had great mentors. I had great parents to tell me that um, it is possible to break the glass ceiling, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of wanted to talk about that in terms of just our identities and how how that plays into our fear of taking the next step. Yeah, um, I think about this often in terms of my current role. Um, and I get, and I think I'm, I've mentioned this before, I get frustrated because I, as much as I want to, you know, and I am working towards transitioning to the next thing, um, there's a part of me that is paused because I'm like, if I'm not in this role, like I didn't see people who looked like me in this role, right? And I tend to be, I tend to think like, People don't sometimes know that they can be in that role until they see somebody in that role. So like, if you think of President Obama, right? Like it was probably never a thought for so many people that they could even be on that trajectory because there had never been a black president. But when you see people who look like you, that almost gives you permission to like, okay, like this could be possible. Maybe not, I don't know how many people actually wanna be president. Um, Well, there's probably a lot of people, um, one of which is doing it poorly. Um, I mean, Kanye wants to be president, so I don't, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna let that slide. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it was it's hard to think about moving into a position or a role or a field where you don't see people who look like you. It's almost like this silent permission. Like when I see somebody who looks like me, I'm like, okay, yeah, like we are in this space. Or like who loves like me or who lives like me. You know what I mean? Not that, you know, there's a a number of things that I think about um, as far as like almost needing to see people in positions of influence and power that give me like this silent permission that says, okay, because they're there, you can do it now. Which is kind of weird. Also, yeah, I, I think that is weird. It's in a way kind of messed up that we... Um, cause I feel the same way. I feel exactly the same way that, um, we have to see ourselves in mm-hmm. whatever aspiration in order to get that approval or feel comfortable to, to chase after it. Um, why can't well, we just go for it? You know, we're, we're typically not like historically speaking, we haven't been invited into those spaces. We've had to like kick down doors to get into those spaces, you know, and it sometimes sucks. Like, but it's a, it's a, it's both a responsibility to me and an honor to be able to kick down doors so that people can see that it's possible. So it's like a weight that I carry that I that somebody has put on me, um, and I I don't know how to take it off, and I don't want to take it off because I think people need to see us in that. But it is fucked up. Like I sometimes get really frustrated. I'm like, ugh, especially if I meet if I meet with like a black female identified student. I'm like, I want to be like, girl, what are you doing? Like, we're, they didn't expect you to be here already. And because my office is, you know, I work with students and uh, discipline and you know, other issues and disrupt- disruptive behavior. I'm like, you're, they already don't expect you to be here. They expect you to be in this position in my office. Um, so sometimes that works and I can have like a real like, girl, like what is going on conversation? Because I know that a white counterpart, that conversation is not going to look the same with this black female identified student. Right, so, right. 
I certainly, I take that really hard and really heavy. Um, and I probably put more weight on it for myself of like, I'm, I need to reach this person because if it's, if not me, then who? Hmm. Yeah, it's frustrating. It, you and I have gone to like a number of mixers and whatnot of um, different fields, of, typically somewhere uh, in the family of human resources work. And I, I sometimes look around and think, like, how many of us are there here? I don't know if you ever think that when we're in those spaces. Oh, I, I think about it in every single space, you know? Yes. Um, even when I interview for jobs and when I get a tour of the building or the campus, I'm, I'm always thinking, how many of, there, uh, uh, of us are there, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, then I'm like, are they going to put all the, like, Black people or the people of color in my face to interact with them? Because that's, that's certainly important for me to see. Um, and I realized that that's, I had not been in a work environment where like, it's all black people. So Never, I've never been in that kind of environment either. And yeah. I don't know if I ever will be in that type of environment. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We talked about this like episode one or two, maybe three. <clears throat> so I'm like, yeah. I don't know if I ever will. And I was like, I don't know if I ever want to be in that kind of a, a homogeneous environment, if you will. I do remember that. I do. Oh. Yeah. It fucks up. I wish I wish I didn't feel like I needed like the silent permission to do that. But so closing thoughts. Um I'm gonna pose you a closing question. Um is there anything that you do to kind of shake that feeling of being feel feel like feeling like you're holding yourself back? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I have a strong internal voice and I can get stuck in my head and go in the same circle over and over and over. And sometimes I, I just talk to people. I, you know, tell them what I'm thinking of and I ask them, does this make sense or am I going crazy, you know? Um, I think it's really helpful to have, um, you know, a second perspective on the things that you're juggling in your mind to see if um, they can add any more clarity to it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do. Okay. Um, Let's see, what do I do to shake this kind of state of mind? Um, I think I have to acknowledge it and like give it a name so that I'm not uh, explaining it away. And like chalking it up to something that doesn't really matter. So I have to kind of face it and give it a name of like, I'm feeling like anxious or I'm feeling like fearful in terms of holding back. I'm feeling like um, I'm feeling a, a conflict in my worthiness of like, do I deserve this? Um, should I be here or should I be even looking at this opportunity or things like that? And then um, what works for me is I, I, I pray a lot. So I, I pray about it. Um, so I don't necessarily in, plan on like then opening my eyes after prayer and then like a resolve being right there. And sometimes it is. Sometimes that, that's like a clarifying point for me where I can kind of put things out there. Um, and then my internal voice will like, it'll be like right in front of me. And I'm like, how come I didn't even think about that? But I was so kind of caught up in my internal dialogue and in my mental dialogue that I didn't, I didn't stop to be quiet. Um, and then some of it is sometimes I just have to hit the send button and do something or say something or actually put something out there. 
which is the scary part. And um, thankfully to date, I have not died from hitting send or saying the thing, the scary thing. So it's, I, that reminds me that I'm like, girl, it's not going to kill you. That's not the thing. Um, it may have felt scary for the moment and then you send it off and then you just kind of hang out and wait and then you momentarily celebrate that you did it. Great. I like that. Cool. All right. Um, we are uh, going to go on to a break. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Um, so we're at the Ask a Boss uh, portion of the show, and we've gotten some feedback that folks like to hear um, a little bit more about us and then some of the things that we like. So I we're going to do this like quick game that Paul doesn't know about, uh, but it's basically going to be one has to go. And so it'll give you a little bit of insight into... Um, uh, I say probably more Paul this time since I came up with all of these, uh, but there will be some that will be funny and then you'll be like, okay, now I know a little bit more about Paul. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So one has to go. So these are uh, recording artists that are female. Okay. Right. Ready? Okay. Whitney Houston, Mary J. Blige, Beyonce, Mariah Carey. Oh man, you! <laughs> why are you doing this to me? Uh, okay, one. I put some thought die. into this. <sighs> All right, I'm gonna have to say Mariah Carey. Okay. Any? <laughs> you say it with do a I tad have... bit of reluctance. Yeah. Well, do I, can I explain, or do I have yes. to explain? Okay. You can explain. Um. Mary J. Blige is the queen of R&B. We need her because she changed, you know, <laughs> um, R&B and hip hop to what we know it today. Um, I'm going to agree. Beyonce is queen and God. She's untouchable. And, yeah, I was like, Beyonce was a, like a no, like you weren't going to get rid of her. This was going to be over. Right. And then without Whitney Houston, we wouldn't have a lot of singers today, such as Beyonce. So, right? I, I have, you know, I have to say Mariah. You're putting me in a between a rock and a hard place. I love you, Mariah. I know, but I know, but her, her, her. Uh, what is it? Discography or whatever is great, but it's these last few years where she's been trying to like do some of this other stuff that was like she should just like take the money and chill out is what I need her to do. Um, but yeah, I would agree. The same thing. Mariah's got to go because I don't know how you get would get rid of the other three. That doesn't yeah. make sense. Nope. The world wouldn't be the same. Um, okay, so male recording artists. Uh, Kanye West. I use recording artists loosely. Kanye West. Frank Ocean. Miguel. John Legend. Okay. One has to go. <laughs> so Kanye, uh, Miguel. Jo uh, Frank Ocean. Jo Frank Ocean. John Legend. John Legend. Ugh. I'm going to have to say Miguel, because I don't really listen to his music that often, and I think, really? yeah, um, Frank Ocean, he he produces music that's different, you know? Um, mm -hmm. 
Kanye, he revolutionized, you know, hip hop for his time. And John Legend is more of a standout than Miguel to me. So. See, I would pick, I would uh, oust Kanye West. Mostly because I don't listen to like a lot of hip hop or and or rap. So I couldn't tell you too much that he's done. Uh, I certainly know who Kanye West is. Um, he's a Kardashian. So there's that. Right. Well, I'm um, also trying to think of these <laughs> recording artists for their work, not necessarily for their personality. Um, mm. You know, because I don't know. But yeah, I, that's how I made the decision was mainly because of that. All right. All right. Oh. TV shows. Ready? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Scandal. Blackish. How to Get Away with Murder. And the new show. This is us. One has to go. Mm-hmm. I would say scandal. Really? Yeah, because I mean, apart Wait, from I'm yes, surprised. it's well. We have okay. Surprised. Scandal has to go, but we have another show: How to Get Away with Murder with a female black lead on television, right? Um, okay. But also, we have so many other great political scandal type shows. So we have House of Cards. We have The Wire. We have The West Wing. You know, I think Scandal is great, but um, This Is Us is amazing. I can't, I can't get rid of that show. And um, what was the other one? Oh, Blackish. Blackish. Yeah, I mean, when's the last time we've had a, a Black television comedy on one of the four major networks on primetime television? So um, we can't get rid of that. Oh my gosh, Paul. I'm kind of surprised yeah. that you got rid of Scandal. I mean... But also, Scandal kind of dipped a little bit for me around, like, season four. It kind of got a little ridiculous and then got good again, just saying. Um, But, yeah, I stand for the other shows much more than Scandal. Scandal, this past season, had me, you know, standing. But um, I kind of lost interest around, like, season four. There There was a really slow moment for Scandal. But the other shows, I've, um, they've never lost my interest. Okay. Wow. This is, I'm <laughs> learning more than I thought I was going to learn. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Um, so we got two more social media platforms. So Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram. Snapchat can go because now Instagram is pretty much Snapchat. Right. I was going to say the same thing. I was like, Snapchat, I could take it or leave it. This, I'm not amazed by anything I see on there. Right, right. Um, so. And the final section is Kardashians. Um, Kim. All of them. Chloe, <laughs> Kendall, or Kylie. One's got to go. Kim, Chloe, Kendall, or Kylie. Yeah, because I like Courtney. So I don't, I don't follow or keep up with the Kardashians, but if there was one that I liked, Everyone it would be Courtney. Courtney. She's the one who just yeah. stays off in her it's own like, little world, minds her own business. I would have to say Kylie. Is that the young one who most recently got like lips, her lips done? Yes. And she's the one who like culturally appropriates everything. Oh gosh, with the braids. Oh my gosh, did you hear the the most recent scandal with her and Chloe having, buying clothes from like black clothing designers and then like basically Columbusing them like they do any other thing? Of course. uh, I I didn't hear about this. 
Oh, yeah, I will link it to you. But yeah, they basically ordered clothes and now some of the receipts are coming out. Like literal, literally the receipt orders are coming out with their names on them. <laughs> yes. I was like, yes, I love a good receipt. Uh, but yeah, they're like slightly changing the clothes some so they're not identical. And then they're putting, the, they're selling them on their respective websites. I thought that was huh. shady. And I love to see people get caught in that kind of stuff. Me too. It's like, don't have a receipt out there, a literal receipt that has like the dollar amount. But yeah. All right. So that's the, that's this week's uh, version of one has to go. I should come up with some more. Um, yeah. Um, um, I should come up with some so we can quiz you. I know. Time. I'm ready. I'm here for it. All right. All right. Uh, so I guess that ends our game segment. Ask a boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll be right back. Ass bitch. A botch ass bitch. I just botched that <laughs> boss ass bitch. Yeah. Our boss ass bitch and bitch ass boss of the week. Um, why don't you go first, Shamina? All right. So my first one, I mean, mine are fairly short. Um uh I have a a, a true bitch um in Bill Maher. So for those folks who may not know, and I don't know how you could not know at this point. Um, Bill Maher does, I think, real time a real time show. It's called Real Time with Bill Maher on HBO, and he was doing a segment with a Nebraska um, politician. I don't know if it was the governor or not, but he was being invited out to by the by the politician from Nebraska to come, like quote unquote, hang out in the fields or whatever. They were talking about um, kids trick or treating and that parents don't trick or treat, but they hang out in the fields or something. And then all of a sudden you hear Bill Maher like, like give this like look like, ugh, like in the fields. And then he says that he's in a house N word, um, which I'm not going to say because I don't use that word. Um, typically every now and again, I do. Let's not lie. Um, but he said it so casually and the audience laughed and then they kept going as though there was like everything was OK. Um, and for folks who don't know, the um, the politician from Nebraska is white. Um, and Bill Maher is also white. Um, so I I was uh, surprised, and I saw the clips um, while I was away, and I was just surprised at the ease, and lots of people were surprised at the ease in which he said the word, um, and then didn't give it a second thought as to that him saying it um, live on TV in front of like his however many viewers he has was problematic. And then like I thought it was kind of a, uh, the statement that he released to apologize was um, forced. And I thought it was really also odd that it was, I don't think he did an interview or did anything like on um, a social media or a video that was an apology. It was a statement. And I was like, really? Uh, so I, to me, he was a bitch in that moment. And I don't watch him and I don't think he's generally very funny. Um, I think he is along the lo- a long line of mediocre uh, comedians. And 
I just thought that it was interesting how um, he said it with such ease and didn't even give it a second thought until like he thought about his words the next day. And then that state, that written statement came out. Um, and I think he just, he got caught with his pants down for saying something casually and thinking that uh, people were just going to be on his side, no matter what. Um, and there have been a lot of people right now, I'm not even going to get into the amount of people that have stood up for him and backed him up. Cause it's, it's, it's actually quite disappointing. Um, and a little bit confusing because um, I think ice cube was on the show after uh, this incident, like a, a, a bit ago. And was like, I, you know, I think you're funny and da, da da da. But I mean, he gave him a gentle read, is what I would say. It was like a gentle, like, you can't say that shit. But I was still like, mm, he needs to be fired, and that show needs to not come on anymore. So it's it's just that kind of casual racism, which is not casual at all. That is disappointing and frustrating to see. So he's a bitch, um, and That's he's also sure. not funny, in my opinion. Um, now I have two combo boss bitches. Um, one kind of rolls into the similar thing of Bill Maher, Kathy Griffin. Um, at this point, I'm sure everybody knows she did that thing with the head of um, a lookalike head of 45 that was bloody and the the um, the photo shoot or whatever. Now, the boss part of that, and I was like, I didn't see anything that was really problematic. And like people can judge me for that or whatever. And I was like, mm. I sometimes find Kathy Griffin funny. And I was like, Hmm, what a profound statement that she's made here with this public piece of art. Um, I think the bitch ass part of it for me was that um, I can appreciate that she kind of got on camera looking real rough um, to apologize um, and, and actually showed up in front of a camera to apologize. Um, and it was quick and it was brief and there wasn't a lot of like bullshit excuses that went along with that. But I think the bitch ass part of it to me is that when she did that interview with the basically the Gloria Allred lookalike. She's not Gloria Allred, but she looks like just like her. And they're both kind of like very public um, attorneys that represent celebrities for the most part or really high profile cases. Um, she got on there and um, apologized and talked about how it was really a sob story that I wasn't here for. I was like, stand up in your shit. And like, you did it. So now to be like, he broke me and then start crying on the whatchamacallit. And don't get me wrong. It's like to be publicly scrutinized is hard and it is difficult. And you do that shit every day as a comedian. So there's a, there's a certain level of like bitch the fuck up that I'm expecting that people have. Like if you got that thin of a skin, then don't do that kind of work um, or, or, or present that work or that art form in a different way so that it doesn't set you up for this kind of shenanigans in the end. So she's a, a boss bitch for me. I think similarly, um, so recently James Comey, who was the former FBI director that was fired while he was on um, conducting FBI business in LA, um, by 45, he was released like in a, like in a letter, um, that was written by somebody else from that administration. Um, uh, I think the bitch piece of this for me was when all the shit that he brought up, like late, super late ninth hour with the. Re reopening the investigation to the Hillary emails in that private server, whatchamacallit, days before um, the last uh, presidential election. So bitch for that, because you probably fucked that up royally. Um, but then boss, because he uh, testified in front of a Senate, Senate committee um, 
recently and he had receipts and like I said, I love a good receipt. Um, he set the stage and it was a real, it was, he was like appropriately messy in terms of like allowing his friend who is a professor to leak quote unquote leak um, part of the, his opening statement. But it was just a really, um, he sets the stage quite well. He was dropping nuggets to Robert Mueller. For those who don't know, he's the person who's been appointed as the special investigator. I can be a bit of a political junkie, so I'll link some of these articles in um, the uh, body. But he set the stage. He basically was like, here's a crumb, Robert Mueller, for you to look into. And really, if the special prosecutor, Robert Mueller, wanted to look into that, that would be that would be good. And uh, what did he say? Geez, gee golly, I hope there are tapes. Um, but I really appreciated that he showed up for that, even in the face of like all these people being like, oh my gosh, is he really going to say this? He came and told all those things. He exposed 45 for very, very likely the liar that he is, um, wrote all these notes in the time that those meetings were happening. Cause he knew he listened to the inner voice in himself that was like, this shit is going to get messy and I'm going to need to present receipts to back myself up. So boss to him for showing up and um, setting the stage for all of us. I was at this conference and I'm telling you, damn near everybody had a little screen in their corner that had either a Twitter feed or they were they had one uh, microphone or one headphone in the ear listening to that while paying attention to the conference. Um, so he caught us all and I'm looking forward to see how all of this plans out. Now, let's be honest, nobody's going to have a damn backbone to do what we know needs to happen in terms of impeachment. But it right. is sure lovely to see 45 squirm and get uncomfortable and be put on the, in the spotlight. So, and there are my boss bitches, all of that stuff. Nice. Nice. I actually still need to catch up on, uh, <clears throat> the, those, um, that investigation because I could not stay attentive to it on social media. I was busy. Doing my uh, job, so I need to read what um, the summary is. But I heard Camilla Camilla Harris um, did a great job. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, she but, like Kamala. She corrected somebody in an interview that I saw recently. She's like, it's like Kamala, Kamala Harris, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, you better have them get your name right, sis. But yeah, she had a, a gentle read in there. She was like, I'm gonna say this as a statement. I don't need you to answer it, but I'm gonna say it as a statement. Um, and then she giggled to herself and then moved on with the question. I was like, okay, what is she going to run for in 2020? Because I'm ready. We're all ready. <clears throat> all right. So I have just two. I have a bitch ass and a boss. Um, my bitch ass goes to um, people who do this. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> you, you know, you love these. Um, so... Oftentimes, um, and I would say maybe within the past eight-ish years on social media, whenever there's a tragedy in the U.S. or another country, we're really quick to change our profile pictures to Ugh. maybe the French flag or the U.S. flag or maybe the rainbow flag if it was, you know, for an LGBT cause. And, um, you know, the past couple of weeks in the news have just been really, really tragic. And so, you know, um, Manchester, Engl England had that... Um, explosion mm -hmm. at the Ariana Grande concert. And um, also in London, um, there was um, additional attacks. But also on top of that, there was a massive suicide bombing in Kabul, mm -hmm. Afghanistan. That yes, killed there was. 90 
people, 90 people, and not, not a single peep on social media. No one changed their pictures. No one tweeted an article about it. No one was talking about it. On, and when I say no one, I mean on the like mass mainstream level. Um, mm-hmm. And while that was going on, people were still supporting. And I'm not saying that one tragedy is worse than the other. Um, I think all tragedies should be re- you know, recognized and we should make ourselves aware. But while that was happening, um, people were still just changing their profile pictures to um, the British flag or just signifying, you know, pray, pray for insert city, pray for this country. And no one was praying for um, Kabul, which mind you, um, that is the, where the explosion happened. It was in what was considered the most safest part of Kabul. And it was near three um, um, embassies, one of which I think was a U.S. embassy. So it was really scary. And I just don't appreciate when people exert or maybe on a subconscious level exert their xenophobia you know they Mm -hmm. we yes we have conflicts with the middle east but those were civilians that died and they don't deserve to be um or not get the recognition and the memorial that they that they deserve so my bitch ass just goes to people who are very one-sided in their way of support that made All me right. think of like um, their uh, shit. I had a word for it, but that makes sense. They're like bandwagoning. They're like, oh, there's a new filter to change it to. I'm gonna change the two and recognize this. And I know I don't know anything about it. And my boss ass goes to um, the entire crew, production company, and DC Comics for um, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman um, came out this past weekend, and I saw it on um, Monday actually, and I was so so impressed um the movie there were just so many great elements to it and um i think women should be really proud of having this movie tell a story that challenges a lot of the issues that we're dealing with right now in society um it it taught us about feminism and just love and um human um just the commonality of the human experience without like forcing it down your throat. They did it. It mm-hmm. was a very lighthearted comedic action movie. Um, so I definitely encourage everyone to go see it. Um, I, I think this, it, it just sends a really powerful message. So um, I was really happy about it. Nice. I can't wait to see it. I've heard nothing but good things. All right. I think that concludes our episode. Um, I'll leave you with the usual cliff notes. Um, Remember to follow us on all our social media platforms. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Um, You can listen to us on SoundCloud, um, Google Play, and Stitcher. And of course, if you have any questions or just want to reach out to us or give us feedback, uh, please email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. Anything else, Shamina? Nope, but uh, the only other thing is if you have a chance to check out the Black Panther trailer, it's on, we link to it on our Twitter account because it is fire and it will be everything. Um, Ooh, it's a yes. ways away, but I am so looking forward to it coming out. So check us out. It's, again, linked on from our Twitter account. Um, like it, share it, let us know what you think. Great. Thanks for that little note, and we'll see you um, next week. Bye, y'all. Bye. Fresh out of jail already in your house. Plus, I got a seven with a four, fifty-four in the front.
Ooh.